We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's it's Casual Friday. It's Friday. It's the end of the week. We made it. We made it to the end of the week, and uh, we'll talk about uh, NFL. We got NFL, MMA, soccer, any, anything going on, right? Anything that you want to know in the YouTube chat? I see you guys in there. Anthony Golden, Sterling Woods, Edward Brown. Eric Hillpold, Matt Neer, Suki Singh, Con Campbell, Real Life Pitcher, DFS and Life, Daniel Hutchins. Good morning. Give me those thummy thumbs. First thing in the door, subscribe to the channel. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. There's a bunch of shows coming up today, tomorrow, Sunday morning for all NFL stuff, right? All NFL stuff. And, uh, and get, get extra, extra thummy thumbs for anyone that uh, that played like uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey in 100% of your lineups yesterday. I didn't. I played played him in twelve out of fifteen, and none of captain. So so I was li- I was live. I was live. I didn't have enough uh, brand Brandon Cooks. I only played fifteen lineups. So uh, so no, I needed more from Ter. I needed more from Terrence Marshall. I, I had a good lineup with Terrence Marshall and, and DJ Moore in the captain, Sam Darnold, uh, but no Cooks in that lineup. I had Anthony Miller, right? 
wasn't a bad lineup. It was live. I got some, I had some live lineups. But uh, when C-Mac gets, uh, gets injured in the first quarter and he's 90-something percent boned, you need some live lineups. Right? He scored six points. At, at, at one point, uh, Davis Mills wasn't going to be going to score that much. But, but then he got, he got there. So, so if you, you, there's no such thing as a lock, right? There's no such thing as a lock. So, oh, my God, you can't, you can't, it's football. We've seen McCaffrey get injured, right? We've seen this happen before. I'm going to play him in 100% of the lineups. Well, I, I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, Daniel Hutchins says he has 78% exposure. Did you have any in the captain, though? On, I don't know how, how I mean, I, the, the weird thing is that, you know, the, the, the one punt guy that I, I was talking about for, for 30 seconds on the pregame, on the pre-lock show yesterday was Tommy Tremble. Right. I didn't play him in my 15 lineups. I, if I would have, if I had a, like played large field and played a whole bunch of, you know, played a hundred lineups, 150 lineups, I would have had some Tommy Tremble. He was on the pre, he was on the preseason. He did well. Right. So it's like, okay, maybe they'll give him a shot. And yeah, of course he gets a rushing touchdown. He gets, it's a 30 yard pass. So no, I didn't play any Tommy Tremble, but I, I mean, a little pat on the head for at least mentioning, mentioning him yesterday. Right. Is that a call? Am I supposed to say, is that a take? I didn't mention anything other than, hey, he's down there and no one's going to have him. So he, 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 he could do something, right? But that's what, that's what you're doing for the guys all the way at the bottom. They could do something. Something could happen, right? You never know. Uh, let's see. But we got, we got NFL coming up on Sunday. We got some, more, we got some ownership, finally. Uh, got MMA. Got a big pay-per-view tomorrow. There's a soccer slate tomorrow for gamer. Uh, so kind of whatever, whatever you want to talk about. I know, I know the past two days I've been showing like how to build by lineups, right? I know for, for, for most of you that, that, that they're here like every day, this is like second nature to you. How do you not build by lineups yet? Right. How do you not build? How do you not build and go, okay, let me see. Let me see what I could build. Let me look at the projection and let me look at the ownership and then decide between them. Right. So like if I wanted to add, if I wanted to build lineups that had all this correlation, let's say I wanted all all everything in the world. Right. Right. I mean, maybe I don't have. Uh, let's see. Just take this wide receiver tight end, another wide receiver tight end with a running back, whatever. And you said, I just want to build lineups that look like that. Let's just say. Right. And you build them in all your lineups, whatever. I don't even know. If you can't. Let's see where where these lineups even go. If you could fit them in. Right. And then you can compare them. So if we do this and then we let's say in the build rules, we make quarterback exposures to 20, which is the, the core part of where the stack is. Right. We said quarterback max exposure to 20. Right. We should get uh, it doesn't matter what the flex is. Get 100 lines. What are the top? What are the top 100 lineups that look like this? Let's say unique players one. I don't even have to bother. 49.5 floor, and there you go. Right? Just as a research tool. What does it currently look like? It's going to take a minute because the more stacks and more settings that you put in, it makes, it makes the generator go slower. So that, that'll take a minute or two. So I, I know you can, we're going to get a ton of Rams. It's going to be, it's going to be Bucks Rams type of stuff. So if I set this on, on 100, 100%, I, that's all I'd get pretty much. 
I see what else in relation to these types of lineups. If if I do like as much correlation as possible, I'm doing a three plus one plus a secondary and a third even. I'm trying to jam that in. I'm not saying not saying you should do that, right? But let's see what these lineups look like. Who knows? Let's see. Let's 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 take a look. See. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, that's well, that's going. Let's see. Yeah, this is going to be slow. Slow. Feel free to post your uh, questions in the YouTube chat. This will be a short show without your participation. There ain't much going on. I got my MMA sheet for tomorrow. This is just with the Roto Grinders. Ownership and projections that we currently have. I don't necessarily agree with some of it, but I mean, that'll change. And we don't have a, we don't have an inside. I don't even have a line for the Martin Sano guy, but I don't think it's going to matter anyway. So. I think it's going to be very low regardless. If we take a look here, it looks like uh, Semmelsberger compared to the owners. Because most people are going to play Shevchenko up here. So if it's 33% versus 43%, uh, Semmelsberger is uh, probably the highest like leverage play from up there. I don't think anyone's playing Sano or anything. We got Jessica Andrade also. I mean, a lot of these guys. A lot of people are going to focus on Marab. They're going to play Marab. They're going to play Shevchenko. It's going to be like Shevchenko, Marab, Dawkins, maybe. And then they're going to play the five-round fights. Volkanovski, Lawler, Diaz, which is a little bit more appealing because it's in the mid-range. Obviously, the way that when they, when my shoot works, it doesn't favor the five-round fights, which is true. The five-round fights are typically over-owned. But now on this, on this slate, we got three five-round fights. What we're going to see is that we're going to see a lot of people, a lot of lineups that are going to have a participant of all three five-round fights. And then we're going to see a lot of lineups participants with two of three five-round fights. We're not going to see that many that only have one, and we're not going to see very little that have zero. Ability to get leverage. I'm not saying that you should fade all the five-round fights, but who knows? They may not be necessary. I think the Lawler-Diaz one is the one that's more likely to be only because it's, it's of the price. Unless for some odd reason, Lauren Murphy wins. But I've no, I, I, I can't say, I mean, it's the largest favorite I've ever seen in, since I've been playing MMA in DFS. I think Nunez was also a big and one of the, I don't, I don't know if I played that slate, but she's a minus, she's a 93% favorite with a, with a 63% inside the distance. I mean, technically, based on based on these prices, like she should be ten thousand. So, like Shevchenko is like probably probably the most under under underpriced fighter on the slate, and it's a five round fight. So, like it's 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 hard for her not to get to a hundred points. So either she she gets there early and with a finish in the first round, or over the course of five rounds, she'll probably have, you know, maybe six takedowns, control time, and do a whole bunch of stuff. So I understand. I mean, that she's the most expensive fighter on this lake. But this is what I got so far. So I haven't aggregated anything. It looks like the underdogs that I'm looking at more are like uh, Shamil Ab Abdurakimov. Chris Dawkins has had like three first-round finishes the past three fights. It's a heavyweight fight. I, I love the heavyweight fight. If you're going to take a shot... If you're going to take a shot on an underdog, 
especially that's going to be low owned. If he's going to be 11% owned, I'm not sure about that. I'll take it on a heavyweight. Heavyweight fights are typically higher variance. Heavier punches, which means like one shot. I mean, the fight could turn easier in a heavyweight fight. The same thing with the uh, Blades and Rosenstruck. Like if, if I'm going if if to add variance to my lineup, it's probably going to be in a heavyweight fight. The only th- problem with heavyweight fights is that if they go to decision, typically they bust. Maybe not in the Curtis Blades case. He, may, he, could, he, could, he could have eight takedowns. But like slow heavyweight fights, like either someone gets knocked out or the winner ends with like 60 points because it's just slower. They punch less. So heavyweight fights either tend to put up really big scores or they completely just, yeah, you get the winner, right? Which I don't have. If I take Rosenstruck and he wins a decision and he gives me 55 points down there for 7,000, okay, that, that isn't the end of the world. Uh, let's see. Daniel Hutchings asks, how much of a factor is five rounds versus three? Just two extra rounds to, to get more, more peripheral points. I mean, that's the reason why people play. It's two more rounds to get significant strikes, takedowns, control time. I mean, and the fighters that fight in a style that is conducive to DraftKings points, that's, that's a positive. So like, like someone like, uh, like not even see on this slate is, isn't because like Volkanovski and Ortega don't are, are pretty much strikers. Like someone like Curtis Blade, someone like Marab, for instance, if Marab is in a five round fight, like he never, he, he's never won inside the distance. I don't think, in, in, but he's put up, I think in one three round fight, he put up 178 points with like 15 takedowns. So like, imagine that over five rounds. That's three rounds. Imagine another two rounds of three takedowns per round. So like for those types of fighters, yeah, five rounds. You'd almost rather go to decision. We saw last week with with, with Jackson, but Montel Jackson, like he almost won in the first round. And it turns out he got more points at a decision because he ended up with like four takedowns and two knockdowns. And he amassed, he had had more time to amass more points. That's why typically... You'll hear, you'll hear even on our ground and pound breakdown that uh, H3 Buddha does here on Roto Grinders. Like typically, the fights that that are fadeable, that are low scoring, are the are the two striker versus striker. If it's going to be a stand up striking affair for drafting scoring, typically the way that that hits the ceiling is someone gets a knockout. But typically, there's not enough striking. You know, in a three round fight, but even in a five round fight. Those are more like a slower stand-up striking affair is more likely to bust. Meaning that it goes to decision and the winner still doesn't put up enough points that ends up being in the GPP winning one. But of course it depends on the price. That's why I say this Lawler-Diaz fight is more likely than Volkanovski versus Ortega, which is still a little bit more, 8,600 versus 7,600. And then you have Shevchenko in a five-round fight She's the most expensive. So essentially, she has she has to be the, one of the top six scores in order to be in the optimum. And if any other fighter, if she becomes seventh, like she can't possibly be in the optimum. So really with Shevchenko, it's not, it's not a matter of like style. It's a matter of how many, she puts up 96 points at 9,500. Will that be enough? You better hope there's a lot more decisions on the card. Which I, I mean, it's probably more likely than not that she puts up over 90 points. 
But I don't care. But I mean, she, she's so secure to be winning that I, I don't care that much. It's just what's a, a bust to her is 80 points. At the lower end, those aren't busts because we could have a slate where all the favorites win. And then like the highest scoring underdog is, is in the optimal line. But that's the only difference. The five rounds versus three rounds is, is, is the extra peripherals. But we saw, I mean, the five round fights that I typically don't have that much of are the slower ones. Like we had the, uh, the, the one where I won. I, it was Cyril Gaon versus Derek Lewis. And it's like Derek Lewis throws like three punches around. Yeah, and if he connects with any of them, you, you could be dead. But it's slow. And Cyril Gaon is from, he, he, he's patient. He's a, he's a sm very smart fighter. He's unlikely to, you know, move quickly. And especially with Derek Lewis, you know, he's just going to stand on the outside and just, you know, jab here, go there, whatever. He's the faster fighter, more technical fighter. So I looked at that fight and they go, okay, it's five, and it goes five rounds. Like, how much can these guys score? That's why when I was sweating that fight, I'm like, I need Derek Lewis to score less than, 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 less than like 95 or gone less than 120. Like that was, I was, I was facing that. Like once the first round's gone, like I don't have to worry about Derek Lewis anymore. Right. Cause even if he got a, a second round KO with a knockdown, that's 80 points. He's only thrown like five strikes. And Cyril Gaon was even more expensive and he had to put up 120. It's like once the first two rounds go by, it's like, okay, he doesn't, he's never going to do it. He's not, he's not going to have 10 takedowns in a round. So I, I don't have to worry about that anymore. So those are typically the five round fights that like I could see Volkanovsky versus Ortega not being in the optimal. Obviously I could see Shevchenko not being in the optimal, just sheer that she doesn't put up. Like we get a bunch of finishes on the card and she's sitting there with 95 points. And it's like, no, there, there's the six other 100-point scores. But maybe she, she could be optimal it's at 95 also. I mean, you, you don't know what's going to happen on the slate. That's why the, in that middle range, the Lawler-Diaz one, especially since we don't know what the hell's going. Nick Diaz hasn't, hasn't, hasn't won a fight in eight years. So in this middle level with two guys that this, the pace of this fight is probably going to be really high. I think it's more likely that the winner of this fight, if it goes five rounds, is 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 going to rack up points. Now that's all. That's all taken care. In my, and I put that's why I put the projection. This is all taken care of in the projection already. It's weighted enough. Like if Brian Ortega wasn't sixty-five, it'd be even lower. But I do it this way just because the correlation between ITD and round one versus hundred-point scores is extremely high. The, 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 the money line doesn't matter that much. And in a fight on a card with 13 fights, I care more about finishes. 10, 10 fight card, I'll care, I'll care more about the win odds then. Uh, let's see. Oh. DJA Dog 3K, when playing soccer turbo slates, would you say it's plus EV to play the goalie and defenseman against the highest owned plays like you do in MLB showdowns, playing pitchers against the highest stack? Not necessarily. You're, you still need to score points. Like it's, if you're playing soccer, like for instance, in soccer, the goal, the goalkeeping scoring has nothing to do with the, the, the scores of the games. 
Like you have to, you have, you have to understand that. The goalkeeper that gives up five goals, like on this slate, we have a slate coming up, four, four game slate tomorrow for soccer. If one of these, if Norwich gives up five goals, if they could, that keeper could have the highest score. You go, what? Yeah, because it, it's it's primary saves. Lester, the Lester keeper may have zero saves, get the win in the clean sheet, and that's ten points. Norwich's keeper can give up four goals and have ten and have ten saves, and end up with twelve points. Like so. It's not necessarily Carl. The ceilings of the goalkeepers are not necessarily correlative to like, well, play the goalkeeper against the, the attacking team. Like, like that's not leverage. That's actually, that's what a lot of people do. Now, are you likely to play attackers against your own goalkeeper? No. But it's not the type of thing in, in soccer where, oh, everyone's like, for instance, on this slide, if everyone was playing lead, uh, Lester, I'm going to play Pope, the Burnley goalkeeper. People are already doing that. Like, you're not getting any leverage against them. Like, other people are already doing that. It's not related to one another. It's not like hockey. It's not, but hockey, same thing. You get a, you, you get, you're getting points for saves. Soccer is the same way. Don't worry about the win on a clean sheet. The lower-priced goalkeepers could get there just as much, even giving up a goal. So if you were to play a Burnley lineup, right, we go down here. Where's the goalkeeper? Right, we play Nick Pope. And you play a defender with him, right, Ben Me or something, whatever the one. Like that, you're not getting leverage. I mean, Pope is going to be owned. Like you're getting some correlation between me and Pope. And you play Ashley Westwood or something for the set-piece goal. But, I mean, this is how you would play any other team. But you're not getting leverage off of Var like if Vardy, who's a Leicester forward, was was owned. Vardy's 40% owned. Like you're not getting leverage. You're not Pub is Pub is already going to be 30% owned. Like the goalkeeper against Vardy is already going to be owned. You're not, you're not doing much. Let's say this game is three to one and, and Vardy scores twice. Pope could still be the highest scoring goalkeeper. Then you get a piece piece of the, the goal on the other side. Like you don't you don't have to think that way in in soccer with the goalkeeper position. If anything, you're playing you're playing the the underdog forwards as leverage, right? Everyone's playing Leicester. Let's just say. Let's just say, right? The leverage is playing you know playing uh, Dwight McNeil playing a two man, you know Ashley Barnes. Is he going to start tomorrow? I don't know. Right? You look up here. You play Chris Wood. Right? Vardy's going to be 40% owned. Like the guy, you play Wood and Barnes together on the other side. You, you play for a Burnley win. Like that would be leverage. So more people are playing, more people are playing for the Leicester goals than for the Burnley goals. But the goalkeeper, the scoring for goalkeeper is so variant and dependent on saves that... Oh, man, man United, I'm going to play Ronaldo and everyone's playing Ronaldo. I'm going to play the goalkeeper against him. And then you're going to find that the goalkeeper against him is also 27% up. Many people are playing that goalkeeper in lineups where they don't have Ronaldo. It's, it's already going to be on. Some people will play Ronaldo and the goalkeeper against him because he shoots 700 times. And that ends up being the winning lineup. So no, the, the goal, goalkeepers are not 
they're not where you get leverage. It's very similar, I guess, to baseball, where you really, who, what, what's the top stack? Let me play the pitcher against them. It's like you don't get as much leverage as you think against that. You'd rather stack against a pitcher than play a pitcher against, you know, a 20% owned stack. Uh, a nice $20 EPL slate on DraftKings. How does the smaller slate affect strategy? It's not a small slate. It's a four-game slate. How, how large do you think slot slates normally are? I'm used to playing two and three game slates. Four game slates seems pretty good to me. MJC Jordan, does the building lineups not picking players pertain to NBA DFS? Yes, it, it pertains to all of DFS. Still got to be some correlation in NBA. Now, actually, NBA is the least amount of correlation. So, yes, but all it all lineups, not players, exist for everything, for literally everything in DFS. Uh, Max Coach says, so goalies like defense in football, just punting. A lot of times, yes. A lot of times the goalkeeper position in my GPP lineups are whatever fits. And a lot of times you're pairing it up with a defender because the defender and the goalkeeper, good, defender gets three points for a clean sheet bonus. So what, uh, what my lineups look like most of the time are a goalkeeper defense like i try to i'm trying to st basically stack two games stacking doesn't mean taking six guys from a game the, the games aren't that high score right but like in the, this four game like if i was gonna like okay i'm gonna play watford for instance right so i go i go to watford let's say right i'm gonna i'm gonna play for watford to win you know and and, and keep a clean sheet right so I'm going to go, where's their goalkeeper? So I'm going to play Ben Foster, right? I'm going to pair up with the defender, right? Jo Danny Rose, right? Play Josh King up top. Uh, I'll probably have money for Sar. Or play Emmanuel Dennis, right? Play them, something like that. So a Watford, kind of like a Watford stack. Doesn't have to be four guys. It could be two guys. It could be whatever guys. Right. So I'm basically playing for a Rose assist to King and Dennis, you know, that type of type type of thing. Then I'm combining that with like maybe uh uh maybe West Ham. Right. I'm playing uh, maybe Michael Antonio and maybe a defender, Cresswell, right? Cresswell Antonio. Maybe I play 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 Suchek or something, the cheap guy in the middle. Now I have 10-1 left. And who, who could I play? I could play Sar in this lineup, actually. Let me take out Dennis, and I'll play Ismali Sar. Now I have 7,000 left. And uh, I play with some one-off or something. Because you have to play at least three teams. 7,400. Who could I put there? Do, do, do. whatever who cares right in a one-off or something and there you go so i'm playing for a west ham i'm playing for the west ham goals i'm playing for the watford goals and a one-off and obviously you know i could play i could play instead of playing foster since i'm playing a west ham defender i could play fabianski instead i could you know correlate it like that and i have what seventy two hundred dollars left for my, my one-off. 
I could just throw in. Well, Bamford's going to be out. Solomon Rondon. I could play Solomon Rondon instead. We could do something, whatever. I mean, but you see, you see how the construction goes. Do you have to play Suchek? Do you have to play three guys? No, there's no such thing as you got to play three, you got to play four. There's no, there's no size. Just saying, but I'm trying to get less things right. I want a team to score two or three goals in the game and me to get all the goals and assists in them. And if it's a defender, get crosses and assists and have a clean sheet as well as the goalkeeper. Like something like that. But there's also instances where you're not you're not playing that type of thing. I think the West Ham Leeds game this weekend is more of a game where the, the, it could be 3-3. Three, three. So maybe I don't play a defender in this game at all. I mean, you could. So you do something like this. I mean, you go West Ham Leeds. You can go, okay, I'm going to play Antonio. I'm going to play Rafinha. I'm going to play Bowen. And you can do, you know, kind of like 2-2 two, two it. Rafinha, you play uh, Mateus Click midfield spot and you do something like this you go okay i think west ham and leeds goes up maybe you play rodrigo and then uh in the utility spot so you kind of stacking this and now now you got ddd ddk now, now you kind of now you want to do a defensive stack typically so it's like okay so i'm stacking kind of stacking this game a little right taking like five guys from that game two on one three on one side two on the other now i got two defender slots and a goalkeeper i want to I want to correlate that. I want to have a defensive stack there. Maybe it's Watford. I don't know what fits. Foster. Probably a center back. Probably need a center back. Cathcart. And 4,200 left, whatever. Something like that. Here, that's, that's a GBB line. You can make whatever whatever organizations that you want of it. Now, can you just play one-offs of stuff? Yeah, of course you can. But of course, if you want, if one guy scores a goal, you want like the assist if it's available, right? Not every goal has an assist. And I think it's much easier to bet on teams than it is to bet on just individual players. So it's like, okay, what two teams do I want in this lineup? Doesn't mean all your spots have to fill there. Just it could be two and two. Just like, but once I put a forward in, right? Once I put uh, who's going to be? Let's see who's who's playing. Once I put Saeed Ben Rama in, I'm I'm going okay. He's going to score a goal. Who's going to assist him? Only Jared Bowen. Okay, so I got that. It's like, well, am I going to play any Leeds players that also score? Yes or no? If not, then. Maybe I play another West Ham defender and then a goalkeeper or something. Because if these two guys score, it's more likely that West Ham wins. Because that's all you're doing. You can pick whatever team you want to do it with. Obviously, the more contrarian would be the underdogs. The, the heavier underdogs, you know, playing three guys from heavier underdogs is, is very contrary. But you got plenty of guys on the team that you, you can build any lineup, types of lineups you want. You don't have to build with, you don't have to play Leicester with Jamie Vardy up top. Other people can score. <sighs> Let's see. Andrew Sullivan, you mean to tell me that PSFs, I don't know what that is. Who, what's PSFs? Goalie versus forward matchup sheet doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know what that is. So I wouldn't know. Probably doesn't. 
Edgar Chavez, you ever play LOL DFS? No. I know it's probably quite, I know you're probably, you're probably doing the same thing. You stack them two peaks. Okay, let's see. We got our 100 lineups. We finally got them with the maximum correlation that we could get. So we're still getting tons, tons of this Bucks rams game, right? So even cutting it down to 20%, it's basically maxing out Brady, maxing out Stafford, maxing out Herbert. Then we got some Lamar teams. Lamar with using using Swift as the bring back, Hawkinson as the bring back, Swift, Swift, Cephas. Okay, so that they're there, that's mixed in. That's an idea that I had, right? Use DeAndre Swift in there. And you could still use a Woods and Godwin one, you know, a secondary here. Lamar, Brown, Andrews, Godwin, and Woods, right? Because you're probably going to still get a ton of, right, cup. Like, every lineup is going to have, like, a ram in it, right? Cup, 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 Woods, cup. But this one doesn't. This one doesn't. Has Ridley, Darius Slate. Okay. These are the types of lineups that I'd be looking at, right? You're looking at three plus ones. Like, this is the most correlated lineup, lineups that you can make. So there's Lamar Jackson and two pass catchers. So you got Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And, and some type of run back, DeAndre Swift. Then we have two secondary correlations. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the Chiefs, Keenan Allen. So they're on opposite sides of the game. And then you got Godwin and Woods who are on opposite sides of the game. Done. Your entire lineup. Then you got whatever defense fits. Whatever fits. We got Jared, Jared Goff lineups. Goff, Cephas, Hawkinson. With Marquise Brown. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, Jefferson, Conklin. With Chris Carson as the as the as the run back. Then we got Godwin Cup, which we'll see all the time. And CEH and Allen in the Titans defense. We're getting a lot of these. What do the Brady stacks look like? Scotty Miller. Woo! Scotty Miller. Scotty doesn't know. Is it all Scotty Miller? Does the projection just happen to go up or we're we just trying to jam in two guys? Okay, here's a Gronk lineup. There's another Scotty Miller. Godwin Evans lineup. I think I'm more interested in this. Right, and then you got Will Disley and Dalvin Cook across from each other. Still got the C.E.H. Allen and the Titans defense. Godwin Gronkowski with K.J. Osborne. Still got Cooper. You still got still got Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. Right, here's one that doesn't have Cup or Woods. So you have Brady plus Evans plus Godwin. Higby run back. CH and Jared Cook. Then you have Dalvin Cook and DK Metcalf. Times defense by itself. So it's the cheapest defense that has the best point per dollar value in our projections. You could judge all these lineups. I mean, like if I take out the Brady lineups, right? We do the we do we could do the exercise we did yesterday, right? By going through and saying, okay, if this is accurate ownership, you probably should. Unless you're diversifying, you probably shouldn't be playing a lineup that is less projected and higher owned. So going through these hundred lineups. Maybe this is 103.9. This is 107.4. Like what I'm sacrificing two points in project uh, one. Now it's barely anything in projection, but I'm actually getting more ownership. So I don't want it. 104.3. So I need to beat 103.9. 103.1. Okay. 
Let's see if we beat 103.1. 103.1. So we just delete these items. 103.1. 101.6. Okay, we got a winner. Let's go down. We have to beat 101.6. 101.4. Okay. But look how much we're sacrificing. We're barely anything. I mean, take a look at these two lineups. Remember, lineups, not players. 101.6, 101.4 is the ownership. But it's a one-point difference. It's a nearly 0.98, sorry. So if you had a choice between these two lineups, like I'd rather play the higher projected one, even if it's slightly, slightly more, slightly, slightly more owned. Is a point worth that little amount of ownership? It isn't to me. Right, this is Stafford, a Stafford stack. I mean, it's not about the players. Who cares? I don't want to play Tyson Williams. Well, who cares? Then change his number. If you don't want him to come up, then make him make him only be worth two points. But if you believe in, if you trust your model, then that's what it is. But here, well, like I, like that barely beats it. So ninety nine point five. Okay, now now at least we're getting a little bit more. Ninety nine point five. Let's see, if we can beat ninety nine point five. Ninety eight point four. Okay, 98.3. The fever's coming down. 96.6, 96.5. What are these two lines? These two lines are practically the same. 96.5, and now we got to beat 96.5. I hope you understand what I'm, what I'm doing here. It's like, why would you play a lineup that's projected for a half a point less for eight more points in ownership? Like, why would you? Like, if you... You do this in order to pick lineups. I'm, I only want to play 10 of these lineups. Okay. So you build, I build more, build 300, and then pick from the 10. Pick 10 from that, from the types of lineups that you want to play. So I'm going through. I was going like, why would I play a lineup that has a higher projection and it, that's a lower projection, but higher ownership? So I'm going to I'll remove those lineups. So 87. So I'm just, just cutting out all these lineups that are like, like if this project, like this lineup, if these, all these lineups that I'm cutting out project worse and are owned more. So in, in concept, it, they're, they're less like, I'd rather play the lineup that's above it than that one. So it's 93.9. So I'm giving up half a point, but I'm gaining ownership. So why do I want that? I need to beat 87. That's up here. Any lineup that I'm maxing out is going to be worse. Look, look, this lineup is more owned and lower projected. I'm just reiterating. This is the line. This is lineups, not players. It's reiterating the fact. 88.7. No, we need something lower than this first lineup. That'll justify why the projection should be lower. 84.9. Okay. At least it's lower. Is it worth the one and a half points? I don't know, but it, at least it's lower. So now we have to beat 84.9. Oh, yeah, okay, I missed it. There was a 77 one and I got rid of it. Oh, well. So we need to find something that beats 77. Okay, there's 71. 71. Can we beat 71? I'm not sure if we can. Let's see. Keep on going. 76, 82, 92, 77, 69. You got a 69. We're giving up three points for that. Is it worth it? Probably not. I mean, take a look at this, right? 
So you got a 140.7 and this is 137.3. So you're giving up like three, almost three and a half points in projection. But you're how much owner? You're not really gaining. I mean, what? For two percentage points in ownership? It's probably not worth it. It is lower, yes, but is it worth that amount? Probably not. I'm judging it that it's probably not. So I'd rather still rather play. If I had a choice between the two lineups, I'd still rather play the slight, the slightly, slightly higher on lineup, but because I'm gaining three and a half points in projection. I'm gonna get rid of this. I'm gonna pretty I'm gonna get rid of everything below. Uh delete all lineups below. There you go. And there. So now we got a whole bunch of lines. So we got 11 lineups. And like you want to play like five, right? So it's like, what, what do we got here? Quarterback-wise, we got Lamar Jackson, Herbert, Stafford, Brady. Okay. Let's say you're you're playing, you're playing three max. We'll make it easy. Right? You've already done all of this. And you're like, I'm gonna look through lineups and you see you see all this. And you look, you got CH is in, you know, most of them, except for one. Which one is CH not in? Let's take a look at that lineup. Maybe do you want to have CEH in all three lineups? Maybe you don't. So here's one. Here's the right. Here's the lowest one. Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, Andrews with Quintus Cephas. Then you got Kamara with Jacoby Myers, Leonard Fournette, and Cooper Cup. This isn't like a bad lineup or anything. I mean, it projects low. 140. This the top one is 148. So if you wanted to play a contrarian lineup, I mean, this is, you could do this in single entry three max or something if you wanted to, right? But if you only had to choose out of these 11 lineups, you're going to be playing like 100%, you know, all three lineups are going to have CEH in it, right? Probably all three, all three lineups are going to have Cooper Cup in it, right? If you don't want that, then, then you go through that exercise and you make sure to select, to go through the non-Cooper Cup lineups and see what they look like. So you do the same type of exercise. Now you're doing it for diversification. You know that <coughs> you know that the non-Cooper Cup lineups may be slightly worse than the Cup lineups. But since you're playing 20 lineups, you don't want to have 20 Cooper Cup lineups. You don't mind sacrificing a little bit of EV just to have more diversification. In this instance, we're just I'm just filtering out to play three lineups, right? So maybe you don't mind, right? By having Cooper Cup in all your lineups. So maybe, maybe, maybe we don't play this 49-7 lineup down here. Or maybe we do. Is it worth the ownership? This would be very, very contrarian. And then you go through and you see what, what you want. Do you want Scotty Miller lineups? Right? Do you want any? You're playing three max. So maybe Tom Brady, Cooper Cup, Scotty Miller, because if Antonio Brown's not going to play, then Scotty Miller's going to come into some regard, right? Do you want him as a one-off? Maybe not. Right? Do you want Scotty Miller as a one-off here? Scotty Miller and Cooper Cup on the other end. But you have a Herbert stack with the CEH. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. Okay. So I don't want, I don't want Scotty Miller as a one-off. So that's something that you could have put in, obviously, before you built the lineup. So like Scotty Miller, if Scotty Miller, you need, you know, you need Tom Brady in the lineup. So you use groups, groups for that. Maybe you get rid of those lineups. Okay, so now you're going to go through it some more. Right, I need three lineups. Right, do I want to get chalky by playing a Stafford lineup? If we take a look at this first lineup up here, Stafford, Woods, Cup, Godwin. Al, I mean, this is a kind of a chalky lineup. 
this is another chalky line. Do we want to play the Stafford, the Stafford double stacks? Maybe we don't. We don't mind them as a one-off, but don't play the Stafford double stacks. Maybe, maybe you make that strategic decision. Who knows? So I'm going to get rid of the Stafford lineups. Now we're left with six lineups. All right, we've got Brady, Brady, Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. You got a Herbert lineup. So maybe you want to play that. Maybe you want to play the Herbert lineup. Herbert, C.H., Allen, Cook, Godwin. You got Kamara, Aguilar. That's 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 a weird combination. But look, it projects well. I mean, look, 146.15. Actually projects decently well, even though that's, that's, that's different. So maybe you play that lineup. Maybe you want to play one of each, right? A Lamar lineup, a Brady lineup. So like which one of the two Brady lineups do we play? So we see here the difference is 1.5, 145.65. Like, yeah, these, these lineups are virtually, virtually the same. It wouldn't matter. Basically, do you want to play Lockett or Metcalf? <laughs> that's what it looks like, right? I think so. No, I think that's exactly what it is. It's literally a 1v1. Is Lockett in, in any of the other lineups that we have? Or just one of each? Yeah. Is everyone going to chase uh, Lockett again? Or is, or is he going to get there again? Right. So maybe you do whichever one you want. Locket, Metcalf doesn't matter. We're gonna, we're gonna get the Metcalf one. Then we choose a Lamar lineup. Which lineup do we want? Do we want Swift? Do we want Hawkinson? Double tight end. Jacoby. Okay, we've already said we don't. We already have Kamara in another lineup, so I'm gonna remove that one. And maybe uh, whichever, whichever one seems fine. Right, this is 143.95 at 87. This is 142.3. So it's a 1.6 projection point difference. But you're only dropping like only, only 2% two, 2 ownership. So yeah, I just played the first one. Then. There you go. There's your three lineups. Yeah, you're done. You picked the three lineups. Throw them in the three maps. Assuming you want all this correlation. I mean, like, like I said, I'm... This is once you go through what types of lineups you want to build. And now all you're doing is comparing them to one another. And would I have known beforehand that I'm going to be playing Scotty Miller in a lineup? No. But if the projection works out and the ownership works out, if the numbers work out, it's lineups, not players. Uh, Ruben C., what process do you go through or did you go through to decide what percentage to put on stack settings on any given NFL week by the lineups that come out. I, I'm literally going through exactly what you, what I'd be doing. Ace Boogie, I know how you talk about not playing two pass catchers with Kyler. Not, no, you could play two pass catchers. I never said you can't play two pass catchers with Kyler because of his rushing. Is that okay with Lamar? Yes, you could play four pass catchers with Lamar. I don't know what we're talking about. We're, remember, you're building lineups. You're not picking players. Can Kyler plus five wide receiver? Let's say you play Kyler and you play him with six, six other players. Can you do that? I don't even know. If, they, if the Cardinals score 96 points, then you're probably good. You're fine. There's a percentage of the time that that happens. Okay? Kyler with a cheaper guy if he's going to rush the ball in, it more negatively affects you. If you play Hopkins at 8,200, 
you're looking for him to hit a ceiling, 30-plus points, which means you'd rather the touchdowns go to Hopkins from Murray than Murray rush them in. Now, if you play the cheaper guy, you play a 3K guy, you play A.J. Green, he doesn't need – what? how much? How many touchdowns and yards do, does A.J. Green need to make value? At 20 points at 4,700 or whatever the price he is, much less. So it's more likely – you have to use these terminology. If you're not going to use the terminology, you're never going to play DFS well. Can you play Lamar with two pass catches? Of course you can. He could throw five touchdowns. How often is that more or less likely to happen with a rushing quarterback? It's going to be less likely. Doesn't mean it's not at all going to happen, but it's less likely. The correlation between a rushing quarterback and his receivers are smaller. They're correlated, but not as heavily correlated as Tom Brady is to Chris Godwin. Because Tom Brady is rarely going to steal Chris Godwin's touchdowns. It's more likely that Godwin's touchdowns get stolen by Evans than by Brady. Right? If you're going to play Ben Roethlisberger, highly correlated to the receivers, more so the Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. So does that mean it never happens? No, we never think in terms of zero or 100%. Is it okay? It's okay. It depends on the lineup. In these fields with 100,000 entries, are you more likely to only play one pass catcher with your quarterback since you need like 99th percentile outcomes? Yes. And the really low, in the millie, I'm much more likely to play skinny stacks. Quarterback plus pass catcher plus a guy on the other side of the game. I'm And then when I stack, it's more likely to be with like a cheap tight end or something. And that's, that's not because of lack of correlation. It's because you have to beat out 200,000 people. And most likely the winning lineup is going to be closer to the nuts. So it's more of a closer to the nuts thing, not, not a... Like, oh, you need to add correlation, add variance. That there's going to be some one-off receiver from this game and that game and this game that puts up 30 points. And it's more likely to be in someone's lineup out of 200,000 entries than it is to be in someone's lineup out of 800 entries. So you don't have to worry about being perfect in smaller field stuff as you do in larger field stuff. Ah. Uh. Mr. Shadow Dog 13, the optimizer won't give me any lineups over 200 points. Why, why should it? I don't even understand what that question is. I don't even know what that means. You realize projections are median outcomes. This is not how many points they will score. Oh, Matthew P. have been doing for cash games for NFL. It's only been two weeks. I lost the first week. I won last week. I use RotoTracker to, to track my cash. Ruben C. Okay, here we go. Here we go with questions. Remember, remember, if you could answer the question, I'm going to repeat this a million times until you get it. Until you get it. If the answer, if the answer, if you could be answered by yes or no or an exact number, it is a stupid question. And if you don't understand why it's stupid, that's the thing you need to get. That's the if you go. Oh, yeah, this could be answered by an exact number. And then instead of going, hey, Jordan's an asshole, maybe you could figure out why. 
How do you decide how much point to percentage drop off you want in three max versus max entry? Whichever, however way that you decide, depending on the exact slate and the exact lineups that you play. Now, if I were to explain to you exactly how I how you would do it, it would take me about four hundred years. Okay. There's no if you're thinking that there's a formula. You know what I went through? The concept. Understand the concept. The lower the projection, you have to get more ownership with it. it. Is it worth, if I have two lineups in NFL, one projects for 700 billion points, the, the next one projects for one point, and the difference in ownership is this much. Which lineup should you play? Obviously the top one. But the lower one is lower owned, yes, but you're giving up 700 billion points. Probably, that's, that, that's probably too much. And I'm saying the word probably because I don't know if that's too much. Certain slates, it's going to be different. Is there a formula for it? No, there isn't. If let, Let's say, for instance, I'm going to do this. Let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of the build rules. Let's get rid of all of this. So I'm answering because I, like, I've literally answered this question like 747 times. And people obviously... Obviously, don't don't watch the show or don't or just repeat the same thing over and over, and they're just going to continue to lose. So I'm going to just going to I'm going to take this all off, take the get all the stacks off, call all the everything off. Let's delete all of this. Delete all of this. Okay, so we could play any lineup we want. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Do I got the build rules? It doesn't matter. It's all it's all all the stuff is here. Get 20 lineups, okay? Okay, so I'm gonna build 20 lineups. They're gonna essentially be cash lineups with these projections, okay? Well, I gotta put something in. Okay, so I'm gonna build 20, just 20, okay? If you were gonna play cash, where, where are we going? Where we go? 152. I'm missing something here. Where are we going? Unique players one, salary four. Okay, now I gotta, gotta uncheck that. Oh, let me run this again. Make sure everything is off. I should be getting a Lamar Jackson lineup first. Yes, there we go. Okay. Okay. So if you're using the projections, this would be the cash lineup. This is what you would play. This is the highest projected lineup from a median perspective is owned at 114.10. This one's owned slightly more. That's Justin Fields in it. But we don't worry. Remember, we don't worry about the players. All we're looking at is lineups. So if we look down here, it's like, well, this lineup is 0.25 lower projected, but higher owned. So that makes sense that why wouldn't you, why would, why would you want to play that line in a GPP setting? Why would you want to play this lineup when this lineup projects better and is higher owned? That's, that's the concept. Don't worry about exact numbers. You have to get that concept first. So we're going to eliminate that. Now, this lineup right here, it drops 0.35, it looks like, yeah, and about less than a, like 0.7% in ownership. Is that drop, is that little drop worth that little ownership? 
I don't know. It could be. It could be worth it. It probably is. These lineups are probably almost nearly identical to each other. Right? But this one has KJ Osborne and that one, I don't care. Remember, we're not looking at the players. Then you go down further. 108. Okay, this seems pretty good, right? If I had a choice between playing these two lineups, like I'm dropping even more in, in ownership, but like I'm giving up almost nothing in projection. Then I'm looking at this lineup up here, 114, 152.99. Like it feels, it feels like I if I could give up this much and get to 108, I prefer this lineup in a GPP setting. This, this is not, not regarding correlation or anything. This one's 117.6. So you, you throw this out immediately. This is 113.6. Like, unless you could beat out 108.9, because we're trying to find the one lineup to play. Okay. We're not even choosing multiple lineups. Okay. Is this worth this little, right? This, this amount? I don't know. This is 110. So we could just throw these out 107, 108.7, 120, 114.8. We have better lineups above it. 117. We have to beat 108.5. Okay. Get rid of this. Get rid of this. 104.1. We got a 104.1. Okay. So now we got some lineups here that we can compare to. So here's the top. Here's the lineup up here. 152.26. Here's this one. 151.2. That's a one point difference in projection. You're dropping about four percentage points in ownership. Is that worth it? The answer is, I don't know. The answer is, do you think it's worth it? Well, if it's worth it here, maybe it's worth it up here. 189, 08.9, 108.5. These two lineups are practically equal. So if you're going to play this lineup, then you're never going to play either of these two lineups. If, you're going to, if, you, if you believe it's worth paying, having this low projection. The top projection is like 153. So this is a cash lineup. You probably wouldn't even play this at all because you'd see it in the lineups, in the contest too much. So you go here. So 152.99, and you want to play a lineup that's 151.2. So it's like almost, almost two points in projection, and you're dropping about 10 percentage points in ownership. To play the next most line, like any other lineup in between these is going to be higher owned and not enough projected higher either. So maybe you play that. So you play this. The difference between this is 1.7. The difference between this and this is 10 percentage points. Now, would I be able to tell you this before doing this? No. Would there be other lineups? There could be a lineup that's under 151. Maybe there's a lineup that's 151.1 that's owned at 70%. There probably isn't, but I'm just saying. And you go, wow, I could drop another 34 percentage points in ownership and barely give up any projection. Hell yeah, give me that lineup. Well, find it. Does that lineup exist? So you have to run lineups. You have to, you have to run and see what it is. Okay, so now in this case, I'm doing this for a reason. So this is what the actual projections. Now let's say I'm going to make up just to show you, just to show you why it matters on the slate. We're going to, we're going to raise CEH's projection and make CEH median 50 points and i'm doing it on purpose so it's an exaggeration okay so with his meeting at 50 
If we build 10 lineups, he's going to show up in all 10 of them, right? Optimally. Okay. So now we're going to see these, you know, every, every lineup is going to have Clyde Edwards hilarity. So obviously he's a 50 point median for 4,800, right? So how much ownership is worth the projection now? Okay. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Clyde Edwards Lair and build only 50% of lineups with it. Let's build 20 lineups. Okay. So I'm telling the out, I'm just telling them to, I only want uh, CDH in, in half of my lineups. Now I guarantee you that we're sorting my fantasy points by the median. That the if we're building 20, the top 10 will have CEH, right? Here's CEH, here's CEH, here's CEH, right? So this top CEH line. We're gonna, get, we're gonna get rid of all the other ones till we get to a one, because we're looking down here, 114, 113, 108, because the ownership is still stays the same at 12, right? Obviously, if he had a 50-point median, he'd probably be more owned than 12% owned, but we'll see there, okay? So we're gonna go to the first lineup that does not have CEH in it, okay? So the next best lineup, if you don't include CEH, you go down from 187.81 down to 151.89 and actually have higher ownership, right? So we're going to get rid of that. This lineup is even hot. Like if we found a lineup that was, okay, here's 108.9. Here's one. Let's move this one up. Okay, so these two lineups. Well, this is lower owned. I should play the lower owned lineup. Are you willing to sacrifice like 40 points in projection? No. <laughs> you probably shouldn't for only that much. If you're going to sacrifice 40 points in projection, you better you better have like 10% total ownership or something. Do I know the exact number? No. But because there is a guy on this slate that is so over-projected, and most likely also going to be 70% owned or something, that the more of those types of players, the more the player pricing is inefficient, the less likely that you should be sacrificing projection points for ownership, that you need more ownership discount than you do. Like I said here, if you don't play Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at a 50-point median at 12% ownership, like, can you get any other, is there any other lineup worth playing that doesn't have CEH in it? No, you probably should play them in 100% of your lineups. It would probably be optimal to jam them literally everywhere because you're not getting enough ownership discount to not play. At 12% ownership. If we put him at 70% ownership, like what he probably would be, let's see, the ownership would probably be 80% owned or something. I mean, it'd be high, 80% owned. And we did the same thing, just 10 lines. Right? So we go to the first CH lineup and we go to the first non CH lineup. <sighs> okay so now that now okay you're dropping you're dropping a lot more ownership now right because obviously we put in that ch is going to be 80 percent owned at a 50 50 point median so now you're sacrificing 30 36 <laughs> points of projection for what looks like 70 65 projection ownership should you be doing that well, that's the only way, if, if you don't play Glidewitz Alaire, he's the only, the only way you could drop that far is by not playing CH in the projection ones. 
So is it worth it? That's the best you could do. This lineup right here at 151.89 and 116% ownership is the best you could do by not playing CEH. So any lineup that's worse than this probably shouldn't be playing at all. But can you build lineups that have 116% ownership that also have Clyde Edwards Hilaire in it? Right? It's because he's 80% owned. So you want to see, can I build a lineup with 116? Well, let's see. I don't even know. So I'm going to go here. I'm going to go 110 to 120, right? I'm just going to put it in. Let's see if we can build a lineup that has CEH in it, right? 110 to 120. I'm going to lock in CEH. I'm going to take out, uh, yeah, we don't need that. See if we can build, build five lineups. Who cares? It's probably going to be all like 1% on players, right? Okay, so you got Jonathan Taylor, Darnell Mooney, right? Obviously, we don't have like correlation or anything in here. So we were able to. So like in this build that we just did, it's like 116% ownership, 151 projection. And that's without over-projected CEH, super CEH. So we were able to actually find a lineup that similarly owned 119, but look how high projected that is. 174.75 versus 151.89. So like, Based on this, it's like, you could find, people will go, well, I'm going to fade 80% on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Well, optimally, you probably shouldn't, you don't need to. Optimally, you probably should be in every one of your lineups. Because you could find lineups that project higher that are similarly owned, even without CEH in it. And look, I proved it. I've built them. They're right here. Here's one, here's two, here's three. So how much, how many points... Are you willing to give up for X amount of ownership? It can only be answered by building lines and then judging it for yourself. And then if you don't want to do that, then you have to simulate everything. And then, then, you, then you have to give it, give it over to some algorithm to decide. And even then it's not to really decide. So you have to judge that for yourself. Is it worth this amount of points for this amount of ownership? And a lot of times the answer is most of these lineups are equal or close to as equal to each other as possible. Like these lineups that I just built with the over with the over projected CEH. Like I built five lineups with no correlation, no nothing. Look, 174.75, 119. Look at this one. 174, 118. 174, 119. 174, 118. 174, 119. Like they're all the same. Like, like just cover the names. If you like, if you like one lineup, you, you might as well play any of the any of these lineups. Let's say I could build, I could probably build a hundred lines like this that fit within those parameters that have CEH and fit within that ownership and give you around 170 to 174 points. Hundreds, you could probably build hundreds upon hundreds. And then you have to choose which 150 do you want to play. And there you go. Or which whatever, that 20 you want to play. You find the range in which like, okay, this is enough. I'm giving up enough. I'm getting enough ownership and sacrificing not as much projection, then you just want to jam as many lineups that fit that parameter as possible. From an EV perspective, now diversification wise, yeah, you may, you may not want all the, all the lineups to look exactly the same or close, the 1v1s, but that's a, that's a whole different story that has nothing to do with strategy. So that question of well, how much, not that number, we have basketball slates where three guys are like, like $7,000 underpriced. Like I guarantee you that in order to get to, to drop uh, 
ownership from those players. You're going to be giving up a million. You're going to have so much projection. It's not going to be worth to fade all three of them. Maybe two of them. Maybe, maybe see if you could build lineups with only two of those three wildly underpriced players and see if you can maintain a, a decent enough projection that you come close to the ones with three of them and see and what, what is that gap? And you judge and you go, okay, I think that gap is worth it. And then you, now you can build lineups that are close to that gap. You're not going to know how much it's worth it. On, on slates where, uh, where the pricing is extremely efficient, like let's say we have a slate like I, I bring up basketball because it's so much more linear. If the pricing was perfect, meaning like everyone had the same point per dollar value, like as long as you spend 50,000 in salary, you've got like the same, you got the same, like you wouldn't want to sacrifice like any points, right? Any points that you get less in ownership work out for you because the, you're not going to play a lineup that projects five points lower because the difference between the top lineup and the lineup that projects five points lower is probably like 5,000 lineups in between that. Right. So why are you playing the 5,000th best lineup at similar ownership to any of these other ones in the middle? But when you have these, these outliers, these inefficiently priced players, that's when these gaps get a little bit bigger. Oh, the gap between these types of lineups and those types of lineups is only a hundred in between, not 5,000 in between. Oh, let's see. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, do, 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 do. Salvatore Mundi, does a player's price even matter when we're thinking about who will score touchdowns? I'm just not going to answer that. I try, I try to teach people. This is what this is why I say. This is why I say if you if you want to if you want to go if you want to learn actually how to play DFS, theoryofdfs.com, how to think like a professional DFS player. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, and psychology. And I don't mind giving away. This is like, this gives you the whole edge of playing DFS. Like, do you want to make money playing DFS? This 15-hour audio masterclass will teach you how to make money playing DFS. Like, exactly. And you'll, you'll go through it and you'll realize that 98% that of the questions that you've ever asked are the stupidest things in the world. Okay? That's what you're going to find out. Right? The stuff that I'm the stuff that I'm showing, you're gonna learn more about. Okay. Now the thing is, is that I don't mind giving away all of this. Like everything that I went through for this pregame show for the past three days, like no one else is gonna give you. No one, no one, no one's even gonna help you, right? Because they don't want to make you better. And you know why I do it? Because I know that 90, I, I take a I look, I look through the YouTube chat and I see some of these questions and I go, Yeah, what do I have to worry about? People that are asking some of these questions, they're just never gonna get it. They're just, or they're going to try, or they're going to, oh, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to look at the YouTube video and exactly what, what did you click on? And what were your button? What were my settings, right? What were my settings? I'm going to play the same settings as that guy. And then they're never going to, they're never going to learn. It's never going to learn. And they'll, they'll pay, they'll pay for the book. They'll pay for the audio course. So I'll get money from them that way. But if you go back to all the pregame shows or anything like that, like I, I answer all of these questions. Okay, so give me those thumbs ups on the way out the door. Uh, hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Uh, Lamar Jackson returned to practice Friday. Okay, so he should be good. We're going to get some injury reports today, right? Maybe, maybe we'll get some, uh, some underpriced players.
based on who's playing and who's not. We'll see. Uh, but uh, but we'll review everything, right? McCool, James McCool will be back on Monday. We'll go over uh, what happened on the NFL uh, week three slate and the strategies of uh, of uh, sharp players through results DB and uh, and and continue on, continue on. I'm, tr- I'm trying to teach a DFS strategy and answer your questions like I normally do Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.